This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. everyone and welcome to the podcast under the stairs this is Bazzy's Backdoor Cinema episode number five I'm one of your hosts Duncan McLeish welcome to the show joining me on this episode talking about a brand new horror film in the UK granted it's been out for a few weeks in America because they're special um, and I'm using that word loaded and you can take from that what you what you think um, but yeah special they can't see my eyes when I do this. Special. You're all very special. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been out for a few weeks here. It's not been out for long here at all. Myself and my co-host on this episode, the main man actually, to be honest, the star of this series, uh, sat down in his sexy, almost empty cinema uh, to take this bad boy in. We will be discussing the brand new E24 movie, Men, by... Um, Wunder director Alex Garland who seems to just be hitting home runs left right and centre but did he do it this time joining me the man of the hour he is the man the myth the legend he is a man is this movie about him we'll find out he is the Baz hola my sexy white chromosome homies <laughs> white chromosome homies because we're all men I mean, they missed a trick here. They could have just they could just called this movie Baz. Yeah. <laughs> I joke. Um, I can't. You know, see, see, just as I said, men there, all I could think of was that viral clip that's been doing the rounds about the wee dog, the wee dog puppet on CBeebies. They go like, we're just yeah. innocent men. Yeah. <laughs> but I watched that honestly about three times a day. <laughs> So we see these are blooper clips of him and the gibble that he does it with, and it's hilarious. <laughs> we 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 partook in a, a cinema visit minus our big sexy usual co-friend who has the Rona. Oh, big man brought low by the Rona. Fuck the coronavirus, man. I mean, it's it's, you know it's, I mean? it's hitting too Take close me, to home. Take me, believe him. It's, it's hitting too close to home now. This I'm not. Is ha- it. Not happy about it at all. Uh, the thing that we were kind of laughing at and we shouldn't have been laughing at, because uh, his immune system is fucked, right? Is that he is he's been he he's literally been a bubble boy for like two years, and I sound like a fucking the the Buchanan fucking biodome, um, like avoiding human contact, being super safe. Finally, decides to go to Tenerife. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a jolly with the, the family I think he was there about three days and got it so. now I've known the big man I've not known him as long as you but I've known him a good few years now and mm-hmm. I know Big Dave is a big big fan of the all inclusive type holidays yes um, to the point that he diets quite rigorously in the months <laughs> leading up to these things. And there's nothing on him. Dave is a big, tall, lanky motherfucker, right? There's nothing on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but he's, he's very slim. Um, 
But yeah, because he knows he's going to gorge like a fucking pig at a trough for yeah. the fortnight that he's on holiday. And I, I suspect he's just gone around licking tables and stuff like that, and that, this is how he's picked it up. I also think, isn't that you know the worst mean? thing? Isn't COVID like the worst thing to get in that? Because you lose your sense of taste, don't you? You lose your sense of taste, yeah. So regardless what he's been eating, he's been getting ready to gorge on those big, like, a la carte, five-star Michelin meals, and he sat down, Baz, and guess what? It's tasted like nothing. See, I don't think the big man's taking it that way, though. I think all he's thought there is, this is amazing, because now I can eat the stuff that I don't even like, <laughs> as well as all the stuff I like. <laughs> oh, well, every every cloud, every cloud, as they say. Um, right, so, yeah, we went out, we checked out um, Men. It's a yes. new E24 movie. They've been, like, very lazy this year. Not put out a lot of movies, but <laughs> honestly, and they've got, like, about... I think three or four lined up before the year is out, and um, I I am the happiest guy in the world because I'm a big fan of that studio. Oh, I know you are. It gets to the point that whenever it comes up on the screen, I uh, I, I kind of yes, and you get embarrassed, um, <laughs> which is how I used to be when we would watch a trailer in the cinema and the jump scare would get you and you go oh shit, and I'd look at you and go oh. It's the same yeah. thing. The roles have just been reversed. Um, it's directed by Alex Garland, and we're going to get into a little bit more of this shortly when we do the review. But I suppose it's worth just asking you at this stage how familiar you are with the Garland oeuvre. Um, he's got two movies prior to this, Annihilation and Ex Machina. Had you seen either one before? I've now, I've not seen Ex Machina. Right. I, have, I think I've seen Annihilation. Is that the one we... Natalie Portman. So it's Natalie Portman in it, aye, in the kind of alien thing yeah. that they find. Yes, I've seen, I watched that on Netflix. Um, yeah. And I, I... I was neither up nor down about it. didn't hate the film by any means. Okay. Um, but again, and I'll say, I'll say... I'll talk about something similar about this film. Mm-hmm. The trailer for Annihilation made it look... It, it, more like an action movie, which is not really. I mean, it has it's elements. Not at all. Yeah, it's like it, it's very artistic. It's very kind of cerebral at mm-hmm. points. It's quite slow paced, as most of these A twenty four films can be. But, but they do. Like A twenty four's kind of modus operandi, if you will, and uh, cinema is to deliberately pace a movie for pretty much everything up to the last twenty minutes. And if yeah. you look at almost everything they do with the with the uh, you know very small exceptions a movie like green room for example would be an exception to that um for the most part the movies are all really about and having watched a lot of them now um in fact having watched all of their genre efforts um the the connecting tissue in a24 cinema is loss yeah it's like every movie deals with loss um it's it's quite I don't even know if they're consciously aware that every movie deals with loss, but they do. Um, but they do have a, a deliberate pacing thing going on. Um, and as you can imagine, me, um, here in McGarland, a guy who does deliberately paced movies already, signing up a new movie deal with E24 to do his next movie, which he said would be a horror movie, and the previous mm-hmm. two movies have been lumped into categories, so to speak. I would class both the movies, like Annihilation and Ex Machina, as far more science fiction than I would horror. 
Like, Ex Machina isn't a horror movie at all. Annihilation was being discussed that way because a couple of the creatures in it. Um, yeah, it's more the, yeah, it's the visuals. Uh, yeah. And that is only at a few points as well. Yes, I, it's, I was it's so sparse. I called that science fiction yeah. film. To me, it's a science fiction movie. Even when you were talking yeah. about the pacing of that movie, traditional sci-fi movies from the, you know, like the 70s and 80s. Tend, Asimov type things. Yeah, yeah, tend to be very long stories that, you know, like really explore the human condition. Mm. Um in the case of this one here, you know, he said he was doing a horror movie. He said it was going to be an A24. I thought, like, a, you know, it was going to be a marriage made in heaven uh, before we even walked in. And it's worth me just putting my cards in on the table and saying, I went in here as a complete mark for this movie. Like, everything yeah. I heard about it had got me... Like, I was I was so primed for this. It's Alex Garland. It's A24. He's going to be dealing with a level of folk horror done in a way that we hadn't really seen done before. Um... And we'll talk about those elements for sure, but also minimal cast. the t- the two the, the two lead actors and actresses are are incredible performance uh, performers, and that's kind of that was what I knew, and I was like, yeah. And, and yeah, we'd seen some imagery in the trailer, which you'll discuss when we get to the review of the Green Man, which I mean in itself got me kind of giddy anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was all in. You were. Tentatively excited, is that fair to say? Yeah, I had. I'm going to mention the trailers just now because we, we had seen the trailer a number of times uh, over various previous cinema visits. Yep. And the, the original trailer that came out, <laughs> I could not have been less interested in. Um, but there was very little in it. Yep. But as soon as I saw the second trailer, which features the male lead, yeah. Um, I became much more interested, and especially when I realised the kind of the, the the technique, if you like, that they were using in relation to him in particular. Yep. Um, and I thought, oh well, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's definitely going to be amazing, but it, you know, there, there's something there. Um, and yeah, as I got, went up to it, I wouldn't go as far as to say I was excited. I was looking forward to seeing the film. Yeah. But I have done that with other films in the past and ended up coming out and going, what the fuck? You know, like The Lighthouse. I, I was you quite, behave. Well, no, and all fairness, you know I didn't, didn't like that movie. Yes. But I was quite looking forward to You were, like, it. super looking forward to it. That's, yeah. fair, that's fair to say. And I was nervous that I was going to have a similar experience with this one. Yeah. Um, the other one, which I, I think I called an A24 film before, which isn't the one about uh, In the Earth. Uh, yeah, the Ben Wheatley movie, yeah. That we went to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a film that I enjoyed right up until the end, and it, it yeah. just went too much for me kind of thing, and I, I, had, I was kind of half expecting that to happen here. This film does lose its shit towards <laughs> the end, I've got to say. But... <laughs> I'll tell you how I found that later on. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe one of my favourite lines at the end of of the movie as well when you likened it specifically to another movie, yeah. and um, it's one of those like it's one of those references that if I could have built a time machine and went back, I don't know nine years ago, you wouldn't have had a fucking clue like what that <laughs> meant. And you said it with such confidence that you know. I like I I burst at laughing because it's like it's such a such a filmic thing to say. Uh, I was I was kind of over the moon about it. Um, yeah, so like this is a Bazzi's backdoor cinema, which means that we will be doing a non-spoiler 
with a grade and any yeah. spoiler review. It's also a Baz's Backdoor Cinema, which means we will forget to warn you that we're moved in a spoiler territory, which I think has happened on three of the four episodes prior to this. Whoopsie pops. Um, but we pick ourselves up pretty quick and then fling the spoiler tag in here. So if you are a little bit kind of jittery about spoilers in any way, shape or form, then I would just say stop listening now. Um, yeah, hold off, go and see the movie, enjoy it, come back. 100%. If you are... Uh, there might be one or two details in this, in the non-spoiler side of things, that I'll, but I still want to hear their grades, etc., and I can kind of live with that, then listen on, but check the time coding or the chapters, depending on what version of the player you use. Uh, you can always jump ahead past the spoiler thing, and if you don't give a fuck or you've seen the movie before, stick with us right through, right to the very end. Uh, trust me, it shall be worth it. We're going to be talking about things that... Only two men are best equipped to talk about. In fact, like, there was about four four people when I posted that we were in the cinema. Four people on the podcast page were giddily saying like that. This is the movie I need to hear Baz review. And, I mean, you'll find out why. You'll find out why. So, ladies and gents, what we're going to do for you right now is we're going to gear you up with a little promo for shows that we love. We're going to also give you a little trailer for the movie. I think we'll play the trailer that we liked. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it has talking in it. Yeah, the, the other one I loved, but Baz, like he said, did not like at all. Uh, and then we're going to return and we're going to discuss the movie Men right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful be simple, house. But Will it just be you staying? Or? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh. God, sorry, I, I, I... I'm joking. I oh. <laughs> You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony. And let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. 
play a game. You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. Welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for Men. This is written and directed by Alex Garland. The movie stars Jesse Buckley, Roy Kinnear, sorry, Roy, Rory Kinnear, uh, Papa Isidu, uh, Gail Rankin, Sarah Twemi, Z- Zach Rothera Oxley, and Soyona Mizuno. And that's the whole cast, and I am very thankful because I was already starting to fuck up and there was only <laughs> five people in it. Um, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as a young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. Uh, it's worth saying ex because he is now dead and not that they were estranged beforehand, but we will get into that. Uh, it is a very brief synopsis, and I will say this. I like that synopsis because I think it does kind of set up, what, the first five minutes in the movie, and then from that point, it, you know, enjoy the journey, or don't, I don't know, I'm not going to put, we were speaking about this off air, I, since watching the movie, have had a bit of time to go online, see what other people have been saying about it, see what people are thinking about it, and I think there is, very much like A24 movies in general, this movie has been, wait for it, divisive, um, with some people calling it, you know, a masterclass, and other people calling it just, like, art house shit. Um, and it appears that one of the threads, one of the big threads throughout there is just art house pretentious shit, is that I think some people are looking for more meaning in this mm-hmm. movie, and I can see why you would do that. Garland in the past, you know, there's been, there's been a bit of depth. Science fiction movies, the best science fiction movies are the ones that do that. Yeah. Um, this movie, I'd like, like, I was expecting a great deal of depth. And I'll just come out and say, I think this movie might be his most superficial movie ever. And that's not a knock on him at all. I think what you see is what you get here. And I'm kind of happy about that. Um, and that, to me... If it still hangs together, then that's what's important. And this movie, to me, hung together. So I just wanted to get that out of the way now. Um, but as this is the non-spoiler bit, in this yeah. part of the discussion, we can talk about things we liked and didn't like without revealing spo- uh, plot spoilers. Um, and then we will swing around, assign it L grade. I don't know why I gave it an L in front of it, but let's do it. Uh, and then we will, we will put a... A little warner in there for the people out there, and then we're going to jump in and, and, and spoil the shit out of this this movie here. Uh, so let's start with what you liked about the movie. What Baz did you like about? What do you like about Main Baz? Give me that. <laughs> Bobies, <laughs> which is which is ironic because there's quite a lot of them in this film. Cock, that, yes. That's not a spoiler. That's just a heads up warning, folks. I'm yeah, if you saying. don't like if you don't like the uh, a full frontal male. Um, yeah. then you, <laughs> who does because to be quite frank we are weird looking things with our clothes off yes yes especially in this movie yeah so yeah there is Bobby um, in this movie no what did I like about this film uh, a number of things um, first off uh, like 
a lot of A24 films. Mm-hmm. It's very beautifully made. Yes. It's, I know you were calling it superficial earlier on in terms of his back catalogue. Yeah. But they are semi-files will love this film because it's beautiful to watch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, large portions of it are set in kind of rural settings, forests and stuff like that, which I've spoken about before. I have a weird affinity to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I found it very pleasant to watch, maybe until towards the end of the movie. But up until then, um, I was really enjoying it. A beautifully shot. Um, just the, the, the craft, the filmmaking in it is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and again, I've said it before, it's, it's not something that I normally jump all over. Although I do find myself doing it a lot more nowadays, but in the past eight or so years, I've watched more movies in general yeah. than I have. And, you know, I'm nearly 50. You know, so in the past decade, I've probably watched more films than I did in the first four decades of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I do think of a far better understanding of them. So, yes, it's a beautifully shot film. Um, just great to watch. Um, other things, the two main uh, people in it, Jesse yeah. Buckley uh, and Rory Kinnear, both... I have Jesse Buckley in particular, I think, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um I think that the first thing I saw in was Wild Rose. Which is a which um, is a movie that I shouldn't have liked, but I fucking love mostly because of her performance. So Yeah, she, she's great. And for anybody that's not seen it, she plays a a Glaswegian single mum uh, who has aspirations to be a country music singer. Mm-hmm. Um but she has a lot of stuff going against her in her life and stuff like that and it's a fantastic film and for an Irish actress I'm not saying her Glaswegian accent is perfect <laughs> it's not and it does slip at points but she gave a fucking good stab at it oh she's um, better than who who plays her mum in that again it's not Judy Dench it's what's her name again it's not Julie Walters it's Julie Walters Julie Walters accent's a bit yeah it's a wee bit so yeah I saw in that and, and as you say she, she's brilliant in yeah. that. Um, she was also in another uh, a kind of TV miniseries thing that I enjoyed greatly called The Last Post, mm-hmm. which was set in Aden in the 1960s with the British Army, which was a, a kind of historical period I've got a lot of interest in. She plays like a, a newly married wife of a military policeman out in Aden. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and she plays that very English. And you would, again... You would never dream that this girl was Irish. She actually, in this movie, does play somebody Irish. And I think it's probably, outside of interviews, the first time I've uh, heard her speak in her own accent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just to, a, to lean in on that, like, when we came yeah. out the cinema, the, one of the first things I said to you was, fuck me, she's an incredible actress. She's brilliant. It's she's like jaw-droppingly good performance in this movie. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, it's as authentic as I've seen someone dealing, like, see the grief scenes in this are, they're fucking heartbreaking, and at the same time, like, like, she's got a couple of screams that she lets out that, like, 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 go right through you, and the way a scream should, not like a Hollywood scream, which is like, oh, right, that's just done for effect, it's like, you feel the emotion behind it, it's raw. Yeah, there's a, 
a, a particularly unsettling scene at one point in one of the flashback scenes. Yes. Uh, which we'll talk about later on, and her reactions in that mm-hmm. are spine tingling to yeah. watch yeah, 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 yeah. the yeah. way she reacts to what happens. Um, yeah, no, she's a, she's a brilliant actress, and, and she's one of those actresses that can carry a mediocre film. And I'm not saying this is a mediocre film by any means. I know what you mean. Yeah. She can carry films on her own. So yeah, she's in it. So that was a big tick in my my pros list, uh, and also Rory Kinnear. Um, He's having the best time of his life. He got to play like how many characters in this? I think it's about four, four or five. No, like I, I would have said like, five or six. Yeah, like defined to the point that we get to see characteristics, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and that Again, to me he, just is just like mwah, you know what I mean. Yeah. He's another actor that I really have a lot of time for. I didn't know much about him before the Penny Dreadful series. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you and I, we did the first season. I don't we know did, we did way back, way, 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 like way back in the day, me and Baz, um, in between trying to traumatise the ever-loving fuck it, Baz. Um, and I can't remember, it wasn't this one that we started with. I want to say it was, was it the From Dust Till Dawn TV show we did the entire that was maybe the first one the yeah entire first series and then we were like that let's do this penny dreadful thing and we only ever did the first series in fact to be honest i've only ever seen the first series i didn't go beyond that right. i know you continued right through yeah, but yeah, I did. his um, performance is as frankenstein's monster and it frankenstein's is monster, oh yeah, it's incredible um and, it, and it's the real kind of heart-rending story of frankenstein's monster as well it's yeah. not the bolts in the neck, you know, <laughs> zombie-like figure kind of thing. So, yeah, he's amazing in that. And yeah. um, I, I watched the third season, which was a, uh, what was it, Penny Dreadful Los Angeles or something it was called. Yeah. It, it was a kind of noir-type thing, uh, which I really enjoyed, and I don't, I think they cancelled it. Um, but he did, played yeah. a German immigrant dentist i want to say a doctor in los angeles in the years just leading up to the second world war and right. we then find that he is a supporter of the nazi regime in germany and he's trying to introduce it into america just a really great story um, and he's brilliant in that as well um yeah I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say he plays a number of male characters if you've seen the trailer, there's yeah. at least you you identify at least three, three yeah. characters where it's him. Yes, he's in makeup, but it's noticeably him, and that's yeah, deliberate. Yeah. Oh. It's deliberate oh. in the movie. Um, he plays the vast majority of the male characters, yeah. with the exception of Jesse Buckley's character's ex-husband. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, and. Just to say, it's just brilliant to sit and watch that. See, even if you don't actually have time for this film and where it goes, watching his performances yeah. is something else. One character in particular of a young child, <laughs> yes. and they've kind of CGI'd it. Yeah. And it's creepily accurate, you know, the way he puts it across. He sounds like a little child when he's yeah. talking. It's yeah. You know, he's just after playing like a sixty-year-old posh guy whose yeah. teeth are too big for his mouth. You know, minutes earlier, it's yeah, yeah his um, performances. Mm-hmm. It's not even one single performance in this. Are just brilliant. There's there's none of them that you go like. He can't pull that off. That's a bit shit. Yeah, he flat out nails every single one of them, and they are all very different mm-hmm. characters. You know, 
So yeah, um, both of those, the, the overall cinematography and the two main actors uh, in, in the film, uh, they get huge big thumbs up for me. That That's probably the two main things um, that I really enjoyed about the film. Um, what do you think of the score? Because it's, it's surprisingly prominent in the movie, but they use it as kind of a kind of vocal a cappella. Almost, it's almost like church-like that they use yeah. as a repeated motif that she does earlier in the movie that keeps coming back in a way which I've never really seen done in a movie before. Yeah, I know the bit you're talking about. Um, yeah, I did quite enjoy it. Um, it's one of those ones that it kind of washes over you. Yep. So... I couldn't specifically go or oh, the music at this bit, you know, or, or this particular song that played was amazing, but it, it, it is a huge part of the film. Yeah, well, the, when um, they play the those aspects, there are whole sections where they yeah. play that motif and then the movie sound itself is silent. Uh-huh. So that's what you're hearing. You're only hearing that, but you're seeing the actions of characters, whether it's a flashback or, you know, a scene that they're doing or what, like, or taken from a different perspective. And, and, it's another technique that you tend to find in a lot of kind of art house cinema that I think can so easily not work. Like, it, like a score at times, like when you put too much emphasis on it as a as the, the the aspect to try and drive your attention with the visuals that are happening on the screen. People like to when they see someone doing something, they like to hear the sounds of that person doing that action. Um, you know, it's kind of you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of sensory thing. That when you strip that out, it can very easily become something that can take you out of a movie or overpower a movie. And I think the balance that they get in the movie overall with that score is surprisingly good. Um, and it's a very simple motif that keeps coming back. And it, like when you think about it, like because I've, I've had a bit of time with this movie, was um, the motif is originally sung by her. In a moment of joy, yes. like she like in kind of wonderment and amazement, and then after that, that delivery there, every scene after that is used in the most haunting way. <laughs> that I just I love how they just flip it. They just like flip it on its head and then use it completely differently. Which once again I think is as uh, a as a smart bit of craft. Yeah, on. no, absolutely. I I think probably the other thing that I really like about this film and. I will give props to A24 and, and this kind of slew of directors that work with them. And it is, it's, there's a lot to talk about after this film. Yes. And it, it, this whole, it's pretentious, pretentious, arty pish thing kind of annoys me a little bit because I have seen a lot of films that I think are pretentious, arty shit. I've made I you watch them, you yeah. Can, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can point the finger at a film like this or quite a lot of their back catalogue. Um, you don't necessarily need to like the film yeah. a great deal. But to me, you're really missing something if you don't have questions or things you want to talk about or opinions about yeah. what they're trying to put across. And I think we're going to talk about that quite a lot in the spoiler section. Yeah. Um, because I know you're saying that you felt this was possibly the most sort of upfront in your face. This is what this film is about. Yeah. I I could argue the other way. I don't know if yeah. I will, but it's that way we'll kind of bounce off. But I mean, you and I were both talking about it when we we're coming out, you know. And it was yeah. that way you were starting to 
you were almost firing things like that with the green man was there, you know, and there was the this other element to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Man. Was he getting at something there, you know? Yeah, I so, also think as well, I think sometimes, and I think it's very easy to call a movie pretentious when you come out thinking there's a message that you didn't get. Um, uh, and you, you like I think people are really 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 good at shifting the blame onto the movie as opposed yeah, yeah. to like not accepting ownership and like not every movie out there is one made for you but two not every movie is meant to be so easily compartmentalized into well this is what it means some yeah, movies I mean, are man, you're talking to the guy that never got Tenebrae at yeah. all right <laughs> through the movie <laughs> Never one day, that. one day we'll watch it again, and I'll show you the exact bit that you must have like got up well, or done something I, at. <laughs> I'm I right in thinking that there's a 4K release of it coming out. On there Arrow? is indeed, there is indeed, and it's uh, it's going to be lined up with because uh, Argento's um, new movie is coming out later this year on Shudder, and when it does, I'm having you and uh, Scott and Liam round, and we're having an Argento night. Uh, at mine and Tenebrae. Tenebrae will be playing. Tenebrae is definitely one of the movies. Um, but yeah, like I think there's a there's a there's a part of it as well where I think um, like it's not even just like this movie reminded me a lot of. Did you ever see Mother? Did you ever see Darren Ar- Darren Aronofsky's Mother? I don't think so. Who was in that again? Uh, so that had uh, Jennifer Lawrence and... Um, no, I know the film you're talking yeah. about now. No, I never watched that. So, like, the thing about that movie, and that's not an A24 movie, but it's an art house movie. I mean, so it's safe to, to kind of lump them together. But it's a movie that weirdly is... I, I would equate it a lot to men in that I think a lot of people think there is a much deeper subtext to that movie that just isn't there, right? It's just like... It's got a surprisingly on-the-surface message which can be read many different ways, which Art House can do that. I think also people think that Art House means that it needs to be deep. It doesn't. It just, like, a lot of the best Art House movies are the ones where you... How you come in to watch the movie is how you will interpret the movie and the messaging that you walk out at the end. You get as much out of the movie as you put in, essentially. And, um, like, even the trailers for mother back at the time where they were just the greatest fucking trailers ever because they gave next to nothing away like it was like that first trailer that you saw for men it gave nothing away but it just kept like flashing up like just like this really kind of ballsy statements like you know where you you remember where you were when you saw mother and you were just like oh i need to fucking see this mm-hmm. movie and like there, there'd be nothing on the screen that made you go like that. Oh, I, really like, I, I totally need to see that movie. But the, those big fucking flashing words on the screen, I was like, I have to see this movie. And um, the interesting thing about it was when Aronofsky went on his tour to, to talk about the movie, he kept getting asked, like, from reporters, <laughs> like, you were like, uh, so this movie's about art. It's about being a struggling artist. And he's like, yep, it's totally about being a struggling artist and trying to carve your way out in the world. And then you would, like, see the next interview and they were like that. It's about religion, isn't it? It's about creation. It's about mother, mother nature. It's about the way man has wrought destruction on the planet. He's like that. It's totally about that. Never committed to anything. Just said yes to everything. And the weird thing about it is, every single one of those comments is probably right. Like yeah. I could see those arguments, and they were all as valid as each other. And the the best thing he could do is by not saying, "Well, you, t- you didn't get the movie." Is this? 
it's the, it's the way I used to like hate things like um, when you like did English at school and they'd be like, well, we're going to read this, we're going to Isaac, we're going to read this Isaac Asimov like short story and you would read it and they were like that. So what do you think he means in this segment here? And you would give an answer and they go, nope, that's like teacher would be like, that's not what it means. <laughs> no, no, that's I what it <laughs> Well, it's, it's like, it's like, that's not the question he asked me. The question is, what do you think he means by this is what I think he means. It's not what 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 was he conveying in this one. It's not definitives. It's your opinion on something. Your opinion is is just as valid. And that's where I think people get sometimes lost in the weeds with, with maybe sometimes with A twenty four movies, but I think just in general with movies that are more artistically leaning, is that I think they feel that the director almost has an agenda, and if you don't like it then you're stupid and that's i don't think i think if you approach cinema that way you're doing yourself a disservice about like fundamentally a movie can you know a movie can not work for you but still be really interesting and still have those discussion points without you just out and out dismissing it as pretentious um, oh yeah absolutely. absolutely i think there's there's a very kind of it's a, a kind of binary a, you know love hate thing with with a24 as a label which i find really interesting because I don't see the same arguments happening with like Blumhouse movies <laughs> like you know what I mean like yeah, no yeah, one's sitting totally. there going that well you know like when I talk about Insidious I'm like two thirds of Insidious are like the perfect horror movie for me they work really really well the last third just kind of falls apart but you know I really like those first two thirds if it's an E24 movie it's the other way around it's just like, it's just like well you know even if it does really cool things and even if it really has a great last 20 minutes it's shit um or it's like it's the greatest thing that's ever been made and duncan's going to fillet it on camera um it's like one of the two so i i I get it and i don't get it to me i think of the previous garland movies i think there is a lot of subtext here but i don't think you have to dig far to get the subtitles, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's sitting it's sitting kind of close to the surface. The the other thing I was going to say as well, pacing of this movie, so not a particularly long movie. Well, no. it's, not, it's it's about an hour and forty, but it's another one of a kind of recent trend of movies that I've seen in the horror genre where, like, at the end, I was kind of like going, "Whoa, what, that was an hour and forty. This to me mm. felt perfectly paced, which is surprising because it's a movie that does, the, like you mentioned before, it is relatively sedate and deliberate for a huge portion of it, but yeah. that weirdly it never, it never kind of, it never felt like it, it dragged its heels at all. Even though you have sprawling scenes of the countryside where he's like, right, I'm just gonna go away from here. Now we're shooting moss. <laughs> like, yeah, I never felt. I, um, yeah, I would agree. Um, because you know it's a relatively slow-paced film, but yeah. I did. I, I'm one of the first to start getting the old itchy feet and all that kind of thing in, in certain movies, you know. Um, and I didn't get that at all. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, for large parts of the film, certainly maybe for the first half of it, you've got sort of two uh, stories running, kind of intermittently with each other. You know, what had happened to her and her ex-husband. Yes and what is now happening to her on her holiday to get away from everything that happened, you know, and it's that kind of trope of you almost see the the, the irreversible effect, if you like, when it comes to the thing with the husband. Yes. You see the kind of end result of it all, 
and then you get fed little drip scenes that uh-huh. put in the backstory behind that. So it's kind of working backwards while the rest of the film is working forwards. Yeah, um, which was quite interesting. So yeah, I, I think there was a lot of that, and then you know, it really does ramp up in the, in the sort of third act, um, and it loses its shit a little bit, and then that keeps you going. Do you know what yep. I mean? So you don't start to kind of lose interest because. At the very least, you're going to get a what the fuck moment. Yes, out of it. a few. <laughs> you could yeah. get a few. <laughs> so no, I agree. I think the pacing was very good in it, and yeah. it certainly kept me interested for the entirety of the film. And all joking aside, that's sometimes not the easiest thing to do. Well, like yeah, like I, I suppose we'll, we'll bring it in and, and talk about our grades here. The, the interesting thing about this one is I, even by the halfway mark, I had a feeling that I. And I'd said to Corinne before we'd even left, I said to my long-suffering wife, listeners, I said, um, she was like, what are you going to go and see? I was like, I'm going to see the, the new A24 movie. She doesn't know who A24 is, so you get the blank look. Uh, I was like, uh, it's kind of art house horror movie. It's called Men. And she's like, uh, 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 who's going? I was like, Baz is coming with me. And she's like, all right. And I was like, that Baz is going to hate it. And that is literally the sentence I said. That I was like, Baz is going to hate it. And even halfway through the movie, I was still like that. I don't think Baz is liking this movie at all. Um, and she asked me the following in the morning. She she said to me, she was like, oh, so how much did Baz dislike it? And I cockily said, uh, actually, Corrine, uh, Baz really liked it. Now, with that sentence out there, it's time to put a grade to that Baz really liked it to find out exactly on the scale of one through five how much that like extends up. Um, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, five is loved it, point five is allowed. I will put my cards on the table. I fucking loved this movie. Like, to me, this, this, it hit all the, and I hate it when people like Bo was like you're going to love this movie it felt like it was meant for you and I hate it when people can predict <laughs> me because uh, often people think they know what it is I like about a movie and yeah. predict it horribly wrong but yeah like this to me is a, a five if ever there was a five to give out I loved that I thought the performances like you mentioned Baz powerhouse performances really enjoyed the story cinematography is lush score is great pacing on point and the last act of this movie is fucking nuts um, in a way which just made me smile. So, surprise, surprise, the mark for A24 gives it five. Um, Baz, though, you said to me when this finished, I really like that movie. I really like on the scale of Duncan would give it a four, but I think you could go a bit higher. Just go a bit higher. You know you want it. What are you going to give it, Baz? <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to go higher, but I will give it a four. Mm. Um, I did really like this film, and I have I've thought about it quite a bit. Nice, you know, following up, which is always the sign of an interesting film. Not necessarily a good one, but an interesting film. Yeah. But no, I, I I did I really like this film. Um, I I I'll definitely watch this film again yep. at some point. You know. Whether I buy it or not when it comes out, I don't know. I might wait till it comes on streaming or something like that. But I will revisit it again um, because I, I would I would like to look maybe for things that I've missed in it because yep. I think there probably was bits that I missed. Um, yeah, I, I would. 
I would happily recommend this film to some people. <laughs> there are people I know that will hate it, and I would say, don't waste your time, because I know you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Shed Stu's wife here. Um, <laughs> Jennifer would not enjoy this movie, I know she would. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I really liked it, and, and I'm, ha- I'm happy to give it a four. Um, which I, I, I'm surprised by. I, going into it, I didn't think I would have come out. That I hard. thought you were going to, like, I'd like genuinely walking in um, my, without even seeing a frame of this movie, I thought you were going to score this one a two or below. Um, really? I just had a, I don't know, there was just a feeling there. Like, specifically off the back of the In the Earth conversation we were had where you were just like that oh no the movie just fucked itself at the end and i was like no that, that's the when it goes all psychedelic that's the best bit buzz and you were like no it's fucked itself yeah, um, i just that just didn't grab me and one of the uh, i think possibly the the beauty of this film is um you can just watch it as a mental kind of horror film a hundred percent yeah this movie doesn't uh, feel like it would be all that dissimilar to movies that you would have seen in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, like there are a whole swath of horror movies from the 70s that are, someone goes to a small town somewhere, people be acting fucking weird, yeah, bizarre yeah, yeah. cult at the end, and I'm not saying that this movie has a bizarre cult, it doesn't, um, but bizarre cult at the end, credits. Um, there's a whole swath of these movies that are like that, from that time period and you could easily watch this movie with that in mind and get the batshit end and, and then be like oh right, that's a thing that I watched um, yeah, yeah. so yeah I think you're right with that I think that you know you could do that I think but like I said before you don't have to dig too far you take a wee teaspoon it and just scrape the topsoil off and you're gonna get a lot more out of this movie um, which we're about think, to do think Sam Neill digging up the Velociraptor dude I was literally thinking him with the brush <laughs> see what I said that right that's us we're not allowed to spend another minute together we've been podcasting too long uh, right we are gonna get into spoiler territory so consider this your final warning you shower of cunts um, as we as we move from this uh, section where we didn't really give away anything. This is uh, see, see. I'm quite, I'm quite proud of our non-spoiler section tonight. I'm just going to say, well. <laughs> this is what Blink One Eight Two meant when they sang, when they sang the words. Well, I guess this is growing up. Um, <laughs> this, this, this is us. We're growing up, Buzz. Uh, so yeah, this is your last warning. We're about to go into spoiler territory where we are going to spoil this movie. Um, once again, this is a, a movie where. It really, it's kind of open to interpretation. So the opinions that will come afterwards are what me and Baz thinks, um, as opposed to actual fact. I'm going to state that just now because sometimes people think every word that comes out my mouth is actual fact, which is not. Uh, this, uh, this next section is what Blink-182 were singing about when they said this state looks down on sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are with it. That album is twenty-three years old. Uh, we are, we are with it, Baz. Uh, right, we are going to take. Uh, we're going to get no no breaks at all. We're going to take this warning second now to see in three, two, one. We're spoiling it now. Right, we are spoiling this movie, folks. So you didn't heed the warning if you're listening to this bit. Uh, although there are still like three seconds in which you can hit stop. Two, one, you're fucked. Right. Um. So, the guy grows vaginas out every part of his body. Well, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> get to we're gonna get to the fact that 
I had, I had to get that out. <laughs> well, the, the, the vaginal imagery in this movie is fairly intense uh, at the end, as is the penis imagery up front. Uh, so you, it's literally what they say, business up front, party in the back. Um, it's the, the mullet of art house movies. Um, right, so yeah, on its, on its surface level, this is a, a fairly simple premise. Yeah. Woman goes out to uh, what we imagine is like an Airbnb in the country. Yes. She's hired a like a country manor. She is trying to get away because her ex husband has, as we've found, possibly committed suicide or accidentally died. We're going to get to it, but he, you know, he came off the top of a building, hurtled to his death. She's been traumatized by it. She's trying to get away. One of the things on her bucket list of things that she's always wanted to do is like stay away for a couple of weeks in a country manor. She arrives. She's met by one iteration of uh, Rory Kinnear, um, who you know, yeah, welcomes her in. He's a bit of a, as we, as we call in the UK. I don't know if this word translates well. He's a bit of a tough. Um, oh. Kind of has inherited a lot of money and a lot of land. Um, can't exactly relate to the common man, Baz. Um, although I would, I, I would argue that someone like this probably doesn't have the disposable income that me and you have because it's all in the property. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, it's in a small, like, tiny little village which yeah. appears to have a pub, a church, this house. Um, that's really about it. And... She arrives there. She's got a friend that she will speak to back and forth, who is an American, um, uh, by the by. And from the moment she arrives there, she's trying to piece together her life. Uh, but from the moment she arrives there, she is essentially um, confronted by different characters that are all played by the same actor that represent different aspects of what we would class, and when I say we, I mean the royal we, society would now class as toxic masculinity, essentially, yeah. in all its different facets. Um, and we will talk about them each, but this is the kind of... This is the... I think people... This is where I'm saying I think some people are maybe leaning too much into what they think the movie is necessarily about. Certainly at the end, I could see maybe some of that being open to interpretation, but... Like the, the the reveal of these characters are literally different aspects of what you know is now defined as a, a level of toxic masculinity where it's the guy who owns the property who is, you know, the, the kind of chivalrous sort of yeah. version of like won't let you know, will like you know, will carry her luggage in because she can't do that for herself because she's only a woman, like refuses to take no to buying her a drink at the pub. Yeah. Uh, won't it's let all her... done with the very best of intentions. A hundred percent. Yeah. Patronizing. It is because at each point she says, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like, I'll bring my luggage in. He's like, no, 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 no. You're like this. Um, you know, like he assumes that she'll know her way around the kitchen as well, which I was thinking about that after where he's like that, you know, like you want to make a cup of tea. Uh, well, the, the kettle's out there. Um, you know, the tea bags, etc. It's all where you would expect it. And yeah. it's kind of just those small comments, which once again, I mean, are fairly, like, the throwaway comments that this character yeah, yeah. is obviously just used to saying. Uh, he makes a comment about her um, 
her use of a tampon, <laughs> not flushing it down the... So, you know, it's, it's all these things that, that add to that character. This is why I think he's so fucking good in this, because he's playing... He's playing characteristics as opposed to playing characters, but defined within characters, which is not easy to do. So mm -hmm. there's that aspect. So you've got that character. You've got the the vicar. Yeah. Uh, who's a really unlikable fucking character. Yeah, he's almost like it's like gaslighting. Hundred percent. Yeah. Condensed into a five minute <laughs> conversation as opposed to over like a six month relationship. Yeah. You know he. Um, he approaches her outside the church, having seen her upset inside his church. Yep. Um, and kind of very quickly has identified a sort of weakness there within her. Mm -hmm. And then proceeds to exploit that and sort of bringing her close, uh, almost, you know, by trying to help. And then very quickly making this all her fault. And, yep. You know, it, it's. Yeah, and it, it's quite shocking to watch because I say it, it's like that six month gaslighting experience condensed yeah. down into this relatively brief conversation so it kind of hits you in the face yeah yeah when it turns on a kind of yeah thing you don't you, you don't have enough to like over six months these are gradual things that happen in relationships where you know like a like a, a man will say it's usually like a, a degree of domestic abuse will build yeah. on that slowly you hear when people talk about domestic violence it's always well you know it, it's died off like, like a whirlwind romance that builds on that you're getting this like you see condensed into a five minute conversation that you almost get whiplash when the turn comes yeah um it's not like that as well like he's the sort of character that blames a woman who has been sexually assaulted because she wore a miniskirt yeah that's it's uh -huh. that sort of mentality of well you know it's not only that it's her fault that he fell you know the you know, the, the boy the husband either mm -hmm. committed suicide or fell it's not that it might it's her fault but there's also a, like his hand is on her leg like, uncomfortably yeah. long <laughs> yeah i love that yeah even to the point where he lifts it off and he's kind of kind of even looks at his hand and it's like you will you you've kind of there's that kind of well you've kind of forced me to do that the way that you've mm -hmm. like it's, there's there's just those elements in there um so there's that character there's the policeman who trivializes her yeah like her full experience of the naked guy that we're going to get to in a second who actually breaks in like well tries to break into the property yeah. and they arrest him and then release him because this police officer just doesn't see him as a threat yeah so you've got that element that's kind of almost like minimising the concerns of her. Um, yeah, and I think it probably plays on to the whole thing that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it in the news in recent years about, you know, women's experiences yeah. when they report things like rapes and stuff like 100%, that. 100%, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it, it, it's a lot of the time it was male policemen that were dealing with it and they were dismissive of what she was saying and then like you say you know well how much have you had to drink you know when you were talking to this guy that kind of yes subtle kind of oh, maybe not so subtle but you know what i mean yeah uh, but is yeah. it like this is it is a, a level where you are minimizing like I, or i'm not travel not, not not trivializing but minimizing the impact that something has had on you by trying to add context out with it, which 
it's not going to like I, I'm yet to I've yet to find a scenario where someone has been aggrieved by something where someone's like that what did you lead the person on in them to be like well that's exactly what it is mm. you know what uh, that's exactly uh, weight off my shoulders right now yeah. there it's like it's uh, but that's that character you have um, the kid that we mentioned before kids yeah. uh, sees me, her as purely as an object of amusement yeah to me though the kids almost kind of it was the the whole when he didn't get what he wanted where well, you're yeah. just a fucking slut 100 percent. you know yeah. what i mean it was that whole um, which was quite jarring not that he comes on here because he has yeah. a child but it's clearly reflective of that you know you talk to some girl and the hanging name turns out she's not actually going to bang you you need to yeah. Frigid or something, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, the fact that it comes out of a kid's yeah. mouth with that voice that you were on about is just deeply yeah. unpleasant. Yeah, um, it really is. So, there's a couple of other characters that he plays in terms of there's a couple of guys in the bar which don't really yeah. add up to anything, but the other character he plays is a kind of an actual visual representation of the green man. Which oh. is this kind of this thing that's in the background all the way through this one, and also links to a lot of the imagery that you were talking about before of the countryside and all the rest. It's mm-hmm. this idea of like rebirth, regrowth, um, you know, and and that essentially, to me, is the big crux of this movie. And I think this might be the bit that people are trying to dig too much into. Like, the idea of, like, rebirth and regrowth in this context is just that, you know, as a a society, we pass these traits down um, in a hereditary fashion without maybe not, without even fully understanding that we do it. Like, our actions have consequences on the next generation that come out. Like, if you speak a particular way to someone and your kids hear you speak that particular way to someone, they see that as normalised and thus its birth continued on. Um, So to me, that's... That's what that symbolism is there for. Now, I've... I I said to you, I, I didn't really want to do, like, a huge deep dive on trying to like dig into explanations here that's what i took away from this i'm sure there's going to be lengthy papers out there going into the 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 exact symbolism used to me that's you know it fits with my my theory what the movie's doing also explains the end of this movie with the stomach vaginas and head vaginas and leg vaginas and all the other vaginas that we see uh that birth the next horrible treat person out so i think that's what that means that's certainly what i took away from it. i don't know about you well <laughs> maybe i have dived slightly deeper but only in this is good head. though that's good that's good so, though there is the church plays a kind of central part and in, in, in particular the altar in this church yeah and on one side it has this the stone carving of what call in this country the green man yes so it's like a, a male face made of foliage and leaves and stuff like that um, but on the reverse of it is what i would describe as the sacred feminine so it was another it is, yeah. uh, figure and they are clearly holding open a vagina or a vulva kind of thing you know so this is the now I know I, what you were thinking straight away. You I were looked, thinking raw head wrecks, Baz. You were like, this is how they <laughs> defeated raw head wrecks. They used the power of vagina, like, destroyed this cock monster. Ah, I'm with you, Baz. Well, it's, it's destroyed us all in one way or another, don't <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
So I, I, I had read a little bit about the Green Man a number of years ago. It, it was through. It my pops up life. everywhere. Like it's not just it, like it's in a church here, but the, like it's one of those it weird entities that appears to pop up in secular and non-secular establishments. Yeah, I, I found it when it first came interest in Rosalind Chapel. There are yeah. depictions of the Green Man in Rosalind Chapel, and it, it's that it's a weird. It's obviously a pagan. Yep image an icon if you like that has somehow ingratiated itself into christianity in that it kind of appears in christian settings yes now the way i started thinking about this was the modern paganism talks about the kind of the the sacred mother and the mother of earth and the goddess, yes, and it's very much that the, the the whole godhead is a female entity mm-hmm. because of the you know giving birth, giving birth to the world, giving birth to us. We all come from the feminine. We all come from the woman kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and again through readings, a lot of that kind of pseudo religious history stuff, and that there was this talk about the kind of. Um, the paternalization of religion that this movement away and making it about no god was a man and his yeah. son you know and, and there's a lot of talk about the earlier versions of this you know god wasn't a man in a lot of these things you mm-hmm. know and it was almost like the church and and you know i've got a point to think of the catholic church but just because <laughs> they were really the only christian church for a long long period of time mm-hmm. um very much moved everything away from the women to the, you know so only men can be priests you know and women in the church have a much more subservient kind of levels you know in terms of nuns and stuff like yeah, that yeah and i began to wonder then was the green man an early representation of that move away from the oh. kind of goddess yeah this male figure that represents nature and, and life and all that kind of stuff and then when we see what happens to the figure later on he starts growing vaginas and all this stuff so he can then birth you know and yeah, he's the he's the original he's the original like entity that appears before all the transformations so that would yeah, yeah. hold water yeah um so that's i don't have a fully fleshed out theory <laughs> Because I don't operate that way, but I, I was starting to pick up on that, thing. and it's interesting that the the character that you're talking about always appears naked. So yeah, he, he appears about a third of the way into the film in the distance, and it's quite a creepy scene. It's she a is horrifically creepy scene. <laughs> being followed through, or, or she perceives herself as being followed, and she's yeah. running, retracing her steps to go back to this house. She kind of breaks out of the forest into an open field calms herself down and it's all you can almost see her thinking to herself oh get a grip that's just your mind playing tricks and mm-hmm. she goes to take a picture of this old barn and then realizes that there's this figure standing buck naked on the edge of the um the buildings shortly followed by we then see him in the garden of mm-hmm. the house that she's in and he then attempts this break-in which is when she then goes to this policeman that you mentioned who's quite dismissive of her but the figure kind of evolves through the film. 
Yep. He's initially covered in kind of cuts and stuff. Then you see him kind of forcing twigs and stuff mm-hmm. into the cuts on his skin. And he starts almost to build up this a living green man kind of image around his face. Yep. Um, like oak leaves and stuff like that. Um, and to me, I, I the way I viewed these other characters where they were almost like creations of his, like he was this sense of force, God trigger, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that these um, the other male characters are just, like you say, like elements of him. Well, that would, it, it, holds, it holds water there as well because there is a, a very distinct view. Like when, when she arrives at the house, she eats an apple from the apple tree. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be a religious scholar to understand the, you know, the symbolism yeah, yeah. there. Even, he even refers to it as the forbidden fruit. That's right. Um, yeah. And from that moment that she does that, like the all the men that she interacts with kind of, even taking the the ex husband like aside, but all that are, are you know, are, is this like her idyllic weekend or like week away or whatever is slowly destroyed, um, systematically destroyed actually with every interaction that she has, yeah. kind of post that. But the idea of that even at that kind of point, the movie is trying to, and this is not Alex Garland's vision, but like narratively speaking, trying to force or shift a blame onto. That you know, once again, it kind of it leads with it's, that idea Eve, of Eve being responsible for the fall of man. Yes, which like you you know. said, so that I mean that certainly holds. It can't just be a I like the idea of you know uh, Jesse Buckley eating a, an apple and <laughs> it, yeah. can't, it can't just be has to physically. I think I think you're right. I think there's there's elements in there. It's, it's surprisingly when you were mentioning about the uh, the kind of the. The, the godhead and you know mother earth and all the rest these are essentially the same this is why it would double this movie would double so well with mother um you could get mother this you want a triple hitter ladies and gents out there mother is your first movie your second movie for a good time you shove on a little bit of men and then you finish your night off with borderlands oh triple bit of, Fucking three fingers deep in that. Yeah. Um, that's that's a, the shocker. That's <laughs> it's the shocker of film recommendations. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's laid out a particular way. Now, one of the things that we should talk about that we kind of geared up in our non-spoiler bit here is the flashbacks. Yeah. Like specifically, and this is this is kind of it gives more context to the way that she's acting throughout the movie and also the interactions that she's having. Um, so. She's in a, she's in a loveless relationship now, right? From what we see in the first flashback, there's something going on. We don't she's, know the full extent. She's in a relationship that she wants to leave. She, yes, and it's kind of put across like she has tried. Yes, and she has now reached the decision that she no longer wants to be in that relationship. Yeah, for whatever reason. And like the first like proper interaction that we get from this is essentially uh, like her her husband um saying well you know i don't want that um, yeah. and you know if if you try and divorce me if you try and leave me i will kill myself yeah to which he's essentially as she notes 
he's essentially taking all the blame for everything and putting this on her shoulders as if to say, when I kill myself, it's your fault that I've killed myself. And what she's trying to say back is, well, no, you've killed yourself because you won't let me go, which is selfish. It's not the other way around. And he, he physically can't see this. So that's like the, like the initial entry point that we get. We then get a, a flashback later on where she's essentially texting her American friend yeah. saying oh, he's like the way he's talking the way he's acting it is scaring me and he grabs the phone off her he starts trying to go through the messages and he, once again I'm scared you, you're scaring me all this talk yeah. of divorce this is scaring me and he's constantly throwing it he's and making himself the victim in, in each part which is this scene sets up uh, I think the bit you were talking about earlier on I don't want to kind of steal things from you but um, essentially because she won't unlock her phone he punches her in the face. Oh. And, and it's... Right out the blue as well, because they're, they've been having this argument for... You know, in, in real time, I'd imagine they've been arguing for an hour or two at this point. Yeah. We've already seen a couple of scenes. Yeah. You know, so you know they're well... But the punch just comes out of nowhere and he fucks her right off her feet kind of thing. Yeah, right, it's right square in the nose, which explains yeah. we've seen scenes of the actual him falling down past the window and her nose looks bloodied. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is, you know, this is the setup for it. It's a, it's a particularly jarring scene in a movie which has stomach vaginas and cock. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, it, like, it's surprising how at times just like the the most realistic thing can be the thing that's most unsettling not the yeah, goriest thing not like i just it's the thing that just like even the sim design it's just is very nasty and she to her credit like is right up in his face and like you will fuck off and you will get out of this house and you will never see me again and you will never do that again mm. and she shuts the door what and it's then, not as controlled as that like she is screaming yes. just furious it's not the line they're crying yeah you know she's she's not a shrinking violet in this scene she's like she's very much she asserts herself and she pushes him out the door and what we find out through the conversation that she has with the priest is he he goes upstairs to the flat directly above and she assumes that what he was trying to do was essentially swing from one balcony into their balcony. From their balcony into and then the... get access to the flat that way, right? That's what she assumes. What she sees as she's looking out of her window in this high-story building is him fall past and he's looking in at her as he falls. Now, he's already said to her that, you know, if she tries to divorce him, he will kill himself. Um, and then we see him fall to his death and she's kind of haunted twofold the first thing that i think she's haunted by primarily is this idea of did he actually kill himself or was it an accident Uh because if it's an accident on some level she isn't she isn't shouldering what i would argue is responsibility she shouldn't be shouldering anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, but if he has flung himself to his own death this is him enacting the thing that he said he was going to do which the the second thing is and she says this to the, the priest that on the way that he falls down he appears to make eye contact with her uh-huh. and what she doesn't know is in those moments of falling if he could register like her face could like mm. she's obviously stationary so she can see him fall past he's moving at speed 
could he make her out? And if so, was you know, is this essentially the last time he laid eyes on her as he was falling to his death? Um, like you say, the priest very quickly turns us round to, well, what was it that you did that made him do that? Yeah. Um, which is the real cunty thing to do, but um, I like what, what you mentioned it before, her, her acting in this whole fucking scene is mind-blowingly powerful. Is mm. is just is just excellent, but ultimately, as we get to the very end of this movie, and we'll come back and, and break down the last twenty yeah, yeah. minutes a bit more. The very final shot of this movie is essentially his kind of reanimated dead body um, on the couch, sitting beside her, with her asking, "You know, what is it you want from me?" And it's still the same selfish response. Yeah, I want you to love me. Um, and that's kind of how as to how the movie ends with him basically saying you're like you're like is that is you know is that there isn't any the, the kind of beauty of this movie in a lot of respects why I also love kind of art housey movies and A24 movies is they don't have to have the Hollywood happy ending where she's <laughs> she's going to be fine now Baz and she's going to go and start off a new life where guess what she's going to find love you know it's it's not that sort of thing it's like ultimately at the end of the day this you know the fucking shithead character who's been reanimated in her brain and all the rest is still even though all the experience she's went through in a lot of respects is kind of what he wanted he wanted to consume her thoughts and destroy her if yeah, she didn't be with him. Yeah, he wanted her to be miserable. Yes, and after he yeah. was gone. And um, yeah, he's like everything you've went through is all those different elements of it, where she's went through all these different wars of attrition to end up where where she's been. Um, the movie kind of lean. I, I go. It goes through all these different stages. We talked about the green man, well, the guy who's essentially the visual representation of the green yeah. man trying to break in. Um, you know, like the, her interactions with the priest. She goes into the pub at one point and, uh, you know, she finds that this guy's been released. She works her way back to the property and when she goes back to the property, at first there's these outside lights. I don't fucking love these scenes because uh, they're just, like, creepy. Uh, there's these outside security lights uh, that keep coming on and off and the police officer's out there at first and she goes out and she tries to speak to the police officer. He's not answering. Lights go out, lights go on. Uh, he's not there anymore. And then you see one of the louts from the, the bar kind of oh, run up yeah. towards the door screaming, which she then closes. And then there's a bit of a commotion and a window smashes. And uh, the, the guy that owns the house shows up and he claims it's just been this blackbird that's flown through the window, which he snaps the neck of and he's mm. going to go out there and be all chivalrous and find out what's going on and you people will have to listen here and I will have uh -huh. and he goes out and then his character is then once again replaced by the green man who then tries to break in and we get this what, you, I forget how gnarly Alex Garland's body horror stuff actually is Annihilation is a great example of that even though it's wielded in such a way where it's less tinged with horror and more tinged with sci-fi mm -hmm. but like the last 25 minutes of this movie is something straight from and you mentioned Videodrome and we'll get to that as well your like comments on it uh, but Videodrome kind of meets society it has this kind of weird kind of pulpy Brian Yuzna feel with this kind of elevated sort of body horror stuff of Cronenberg literally a neutrability into a shake that you've drink in the last 20 minutes of this movie and it just keeps hitting you um, he puts his hand through the door and she shoves a knife through it 
this scene gave me the heave by the way yeah. like anything to do with hand trauma and i don't deal with it well um i'd like even a paper cut in my hand is enough to blah. right some people get squeamish with eyes i'm yeah. fine with eyes hands <laughs> or the webbing in between your fingers right but she shoves it through his arm basically stopping his ability to take his arm out of the letterbox yeah. but he continues to pull it back and he starts to separate essentially cuts his arm down the middle and then separates his hand in two yeah. now, at this point i'd picked up on a fact that i don't know if you'd picked up but i picked Is this up for the husband yeah so we see an image of the husband post his plummet yeah. and he's lying and his arm has been split in the same fashion against this kind of metal fence. So a railing, yeah. He's yeah. caught it on a spiked railing and split his arm. He's tore it. And as soon as this happened, I was like that, all right, we were going down this kind of allegory of the, you know, the, the, the husband. And is this a, in my head, I'm like, is this a representation of the husband? Question mark. Um, yeah. And then, like, essentially from this point, she then re-interacts with each of the male characters that she's dealt with throughout this one, and they all have exactly the same yeah. wound. Um, which you start to get... The the kid wants to play a really malicious game of hide-and-seek with her. The, the priest tries to rape her. I'm not entirely sure if he actually does penetrate. It does kind of feel like he might have. Uh, but he tries, to, he tries to rape her. Um... The who's the other character? Uh, yeah, the the guy that owns the house. Uh, yeah. He he his hand is kind of split as well, and um, he actually no, she drives out. She she escapes the house, and you're like, yes, she's got in her car. She's going to escape the house, and she's driving away, and she hits him with this oh, car. Right, yeah. And when he comes up, his hand split in the same fashion. He steals the car, wrecks the car. And then he comes in. And then in the last, like, what you would say, maybe the last 10 minutes of this movie is basically the <laughs> the green man at first with a kind of broken ankle because her ex-husband broke yeah. his ankle on his fall with a, like, severed hand, essentially with a bulbous belly, uh. Uh, which then splits into a stomach vagina, which then births the, I think it's the priest first, then the priest births the, the uh, fucking um, cop, and then the cop births the guy that owns the house, who essentially, through his mouth in the final scene, births her ex, uh -huh. uh, who then sits on the couch with her and they have that conversation. You, you ever get that way where you're like that... Uh, I know last podcast and left do this all the time. You ever get that thing where you're wa you're watching something, you get to a point, you're like, I guess you're wondering how I ended up here. Like, I'd like, I, I genuinely, with all, like, I'd been told it gets kind of bloody and gnarly at the end. I just assumed it was like a kind of revenge movie at the end or yeah. something, or something along those lines. As soon as I saw this, the kind of first stomach badge, I was like, Oh, this is taking a turn. Like, I yeah. literally did not know. And then the fact it kept birthing itself over and over and over again. I could not have predicted in a million years when this movie started, this is where we're going to end up. It's, no, it's, it's I, very jarring. And it, it's, you know, I, I've spoken about the endings to some of these films where they really shit their pants in my mind. Yeah. Think, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, it was clearly that kind of moment, but I think what it was was that the the imagery 
just mm-hmm. what you're seeing is so visceral and unpleasant. You get that, can I can't stop watching this. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, oh my God, where's it going to come out? The next kind of thing, there's a weird morbid fascination that keeps you watching. And I think that was what stopped me from going, oh, fuck, this is just daft now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was... I mean, it was very well done. It's oh, surprisingly it's, well done. It's all CGI, and it's yeah, surprisingly uh, well done. Um, but as you say, it's just... And, and to me, that, that last 20 minutes is just pure body horror. And yep. the first thing that popped into my head was Videodrome. That, <laughs> Which is the I first thing you said you, when the credits come up. The credits come up, I said, that just puts videos shooting drone to shame. Yep. That's it, you know what I mean? <laughs> With the old stomach badge. That stomach badge, that's right. Um, yeah, it, is, it really is. But there's, this is where I was like, to you, like to me, I think you probably could sit there and try and look for deeper meaning in there. But to me, I, I think that deeper meaning is as simple as, you know, these things are kind of birthed and passed down. Um, yeah. I'd like, whether it is like a sense of entitlement or a sense of, you know, like a, a really chauvinistic view of how the world operates and all these things kind of are just like the and once again the idea that it's linked back to the green man kind of makes sense about yeah. the idea of rebirth etc um that I, I love that just sometimes i think you can just go very visceral and very literal with something and have the same like punch in the face impact as the you know well is it mm? you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> you decide and I'd, I like the fact that the movie in a lot of respects never really feels like it fully answers something but I came out of it with a distinct view that I, I kind of understood what I'd seen and yeah, like we had yeah. that conversation where we were like oh and there was that bit there and you start to pick it a little bit more but you walk out with those discussion points which I think yeah, are yeah. important instead of like walking out there there was a couple in front of us as well and like I like distinctly heard her say, like her say to him, "I don't know what the fuck I just watched." And uh, like I I, 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 I think there was a, there, there was one or two couples yeah. there clearly on kind of cinema dates kind of thing. And the I, wrong I movie for a cinema date. Yeah, like my wife would have like, oh, Barry, what the fuck was? Yeah, that? like this in Hered- right. this in a uh, Midsummer. Like this is not a date movie. Like you don't go and see. You know what will strengthen a relationship? Men. Um, it's totally not that sort of movie, like at all. And I, but to me, I thought that was all handled really well. The practical effects in this movie are done by a, a guy called Dan Martin. Dan Martin? No, sorry, they weren't done by Dan Martin. I need to find out who did the special effects. I've just given Dan Martin credit for a movie that I don't think he worked on. Although it felt like a. I, see, while you're chatting, Baz, uh, you yeah. talk to the people out there. I'm going to dig up some details because the practical effects in this were fucking bitching. Yeah, and just coming back to the, the, the kind of end scene there, um, while I was kind of okay, but I can't see people having watched the film up till then, because it kind of comes across that spooky kind of lost kind of mystery idea, you know, yep. why are these people all the same? You know, are, are they clones? Is this Hitler's children? And then suddenly you've just got this thing that's morphing and giving birth to itself over and over and over again. And I'm quite sure there'll be a lot of people with a kind of what the fuck moments. And as you say, there was definitely a few in that cinema. Oh, yes. Um, and then, in fairness, had I watched that, you know, without the last eight years behind me, I would have probably done the same thing. Um, I remember that exact feeling with Videodrome. Like, 
yes. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what is this all about? Kind of thing. And I think I'd said to you when we came out as well, I do feel like I need to go back and watch Video Drone again because it's a film I've never watched again since yep. we did it for the podcast. And I mean, that was, I think that was episode five of As We Oh, Horror. God. Yeah, that's yeah, like way, way, way back. Early on. Yeah. Um, within the first year we watched that movie I, I have yeah. confirmed it was a, a crack team of special effects people worked on this one and not one guy called Dan Martin there we go there we which go. is the reason I'm confused is because I saw uh, the movie uh, Dashcam uh-huh. last week as well and he did the effects on that and that's where I'm getting all confused so just forget the reason I mention him is Dan Martin did the special effects on Lords of Chaos Oh, uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking the arm slip thing, and I was like, that, Lords of Chaos, and that's how I've just got I've got myself all confused. So if Dan wants to take the credit for that, you can take the credit for it, but you didn't do it. Um, <laughs> I'm just starting vicious internet rumours, Baz. Um, but yeah, like, all, all that handle... It's, um, like, I can understand... The weird thing about this is I can understand people not liking this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I, I can see people coming out and just not enjoying this movie, and that's fine. Like I, I don't. I, once again, not every movie is for everyone, and that doesn't mean yeah. that I'm, I'm better than you because I enjoyed it. No, that's not was, at all. It's there just... was plenty of people went to see the Curse of La Llorona and thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, of course, and we didn't. And I did not. No, it wasn't very good. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's each, it's each to their own, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's the main thing. Um, the, the thing you remember, please don't ever denigrate somebody. Hundred percent. You know what I mean. Yeah. Don't don't ridicule people for not liking this. And as you say, because oh, you don't get it. You don't understand it. You've not read. Never did I. To be quite honest, <laughs> I still I quite enjoyed the film all the same. Yeah. You know plus, I mean? like you don't. I, I like I've said it before. I I don't think every film is for everyone. No, and at the same time, not. I have I've always been a firm advocate of. I would hate. I I hate the idea of someone spending time creating a movie that no one likes yeah and i think there's an audience for everything out there um and if you if you liked it amazing let us know what was that about this movie that you liked if you disliked it that's cool too um and you you let us know what was about the movie that you didn't like Uh, baz anything else you want to say about this movie before we uh bring this one in for a nice little landing um, no, I don't think so. I think we've covered it fairly in depth. Um, I enjoyed this. But I think this is just a, a good example of exactly what I was saying. It's a film, it's interesting, and you can talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, you know, don't get me wrong, I still like, I'm still quite looking forward to going to see the new Top Gun film and just sitting there like a <laughs> zombie for an hour and 40 minutes or rather. Uh, I hate Top Gun. I hate Top Gun. John Cruise flying about in his VA airplane and I'll probably have a whale of a time. I've heard it's very good. I've heard heard nothing but glowing reviews of it. It is a movie I will never watch. So (laughs) it's kind of um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm glad I can go to see films like this now and come out and chat about them and not necessarily have loved the film, but... Although I did really like this film, do you know what I mean? But not necessarily I've enjoyed the movie, yeah. but being interested and there's something in it that makes me keep thinking about it and want to talk about it, and that's half the fun for me nowadays. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. I think the fact that we have this avenue to go and check out these new movies, um, and horror still... 
Like it is, it's right behind superheroes in terms of hot property in cinema. There's loads yeah. of them coming out. Uh, A24 have at least another three before the end of the year. Um, and their next one is due out in, I want to say it's late July, early August, and that's Bodies, 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 which is a satirical horror comedy slasher. Oh my god, this is the new pieces into I am I'm like oh, all I know god. is that all I know is that that guy that stole Kanye's wife, um is it Pete Davidson? He's in it. Uh-huh. That's all I know. Uh, right. The trailer, I saw the trailer. The trailer had enough in it to make me smile. I know a lot of people fucking hated the trailer, um, but I, I, it, made, it made me smile and made me laugh a little bit. So I'm kind of looking forward. It looks like a big dumb horror comedy, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of down to clown on that. Um, but there's, there's plenty more out there. And um, what we're gonna do, ladies and gents, is take our final break. When we come back, we'll be letting you know what we're gonna cover on the sixth episode of Bazzy's Backdoor Cinema but also what we'll be covering on episode number 7 which just came to me as we were chatting there uh, we've, got, we've got more business to do um, so we're going to be we're going to be closing out the show and we're going to be doing it right after this You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs And you've been listening to Bazzy's Backdoor Cinema, episode number five, where myself and the Baz chatted about men. It's raining men, Baz. Hallelujah. It's raining uh, men. Yeah. How long have you been sat on that one, McLeish? And since before we started recording, and I meant to use it in the intro, and I totally forgot. <laughs> this is my last chance to dance. Um, I, I dare say our, our good buddy Patrick will be tuning into this episode with bated breath to hear Baz talk about men. We know what he's oh, like. absolutely. He's a yep. saucy wee monkey. He's a, he is indeed. Much love to you, Patrick. Um, so, yeah, like, where do we go next? Baz, you had a specific suggestion that you want to cover that I think would make a, a surprisingly interesting conversation. Uh, surprisingly, because I don't think anyone will ever expect us to cover it. But, no. two, it's, uh, it's, one of those, it's one of those movies. It, it had a very limited run on Blu-ray from Eureka in the UK mostly because of its contentious nature yes indeed so the film I have picked for my next backdoor cinema is one I have known about for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, through interests and other things and I became aware of this film and the impact it had and um, the kind of the controversy behind it because of how big it was at the time, you know, and it was Huge, like, yeah. like Titanic of its day. Um, the film we are going to cover next, and I will argue as to why it can be on a horror podcast, mm-hmm. the film we're going to cover next is Birth of a Nation, mm-hmm. the D.W. Griffiths cinematic. I think he referred to it as a masterpiece. Um, it was a, it's a silent movie. For those that aren't aware, Yes. Birth of a Nation's a silent movie. Now, there was another film that came out about 10 years ago, I think, called Birth of a Nation. It's as not well. that movie. Yeah, it's not, it's not that, movie. that one. No, this is the one that came out in the 1950. It's 1915 yeah. it came out, yeah. Um, it's a black and white silent film set in the aftermath of the Civil War uh, in the States. And it's the film that is credited with the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan in yep. America um, uh, in the early kind of 20s, um, which is a 
subject that bizarrely I know a lot about. Um, I studied it a lot, and I'll, we will discuss this in the episode. I am not a crazed cross burning. He's a hundred percent not. Just in case anyone is like, if you've listened to us long enough, you will know that you know, like Baz. Baz has interests re- ranging far and wide. But you, you, yes. you study you like you actually study them for a kind of a personal academic. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, 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 and um, I became aware of the impact that this film had had on that, and it really could be said that possibly without this film, yep. the clan that people know of and see in their heads when you talk about the clan would never have existed, yep. um, and we'll talk about that at the time. So I have never seen the film, never get around to watching it, but... As to why it's on a horror podcast, I think we can probably say that <laughs> what it spawned yeah. is horrific on a whole different level. Yeah, well, a hundred hundred years on, Baz, yeah. the landscape's exactly. a little bit different. Um, so yeah, I'd like this will be like super interesting because the, the, like this is the this is us doing the we occasionally do this, ladies and gents. This will be like an inverse episode. But I'll be like learning a lot of things from you on this episode because yeah. my my knowledge of this particular uh, subgenre of history is relatively sparse in, yeah. in that. There's very little in there. Uh, I, on the other hand, have seen the movie before. So oh, have you? Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. So I think in tone we're probably looking at something a bit more like the Bible John episode that I we think did a so. little while back, um, and yeah. that. Some of it will be about film, and then some of it will be almost like a kind of history lesson. There won't, be, there, there won't be a, a ton of humour in it. Is what no, probably saying. not. <laughs> It'll be a and relatively any, dry episode. And, and any humour that does creep in, we will probably regret greatly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like I like uh, I mentioned in the kick up there, uh, horrors just uh, it's just continuing to trundle on, which means we will have uh, some duties to cover. Also, uh, in the immediate future, the Black Phone, the new Blumhouse movie starring Ethan uh, Hawke, is yeah. about to be released, um, and both of us are, are like very impressed with the trailer. Like to, I, to I'm, see I'm really looking forward to it. This is. Um... Probably in recent times the one that I've yeah. been most excited about in terms of like a straight up horror because it does appear to be much more down the kind of standard horror route. Yeah. Um, and I am, um, but it looked interesting. It looks a little bit different. And yeah, yeah I'm really keen to see it. I hope it doesn't fucking shit itself. <laughs> so. We it got see. good reviews. I'm very excited about it. I did. I did the horror festival circuit last year and did. I got good reviews. I know a couple of people that have seen it that have raved about it. So, I yeah, like. Ethan by all Hawk. accounts, Ethan Hawke was very good in it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Ethan Hawke. I think he's a great actor. I think he's he's been really interesting in the last 10, 15 years where he's done a ton of genre stuff and he's been really good in it. So that to me is enough for me to you know to to, to kind of hitch my wagon to but on top of all of that the trailer just looked really 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 good there was a lot of kind of it imagery in it which i kind of enjoyed. oh yeah huge amount huge yeah amount. so I'm, I'm totally down on that one so we will be doing that one as well um baz before we head out here and mosey back onto our normal lives where we are uh, husbands and fathers and and uh and and all those other things all around good guys don't <laughs> yeah uh, all around good men uh, before we do, before we do that, uh, do you want to say goodbye to the listeners, please? I do. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this, folks. Um, 
I hope a few of you go and check out Men. Um, like I say, it's definitely worth it. Um, we'll be back fairly soon. I suppose, depending on when this uh, black phone comes out, that may be the next backdoor cinema. It could be. It could actually. Or... You're, you're making a valid point here. I think it's out within the next two weeks. So yeah. it might but you'll be front these... front. These will be the next two movies. What order they come in, I'm not sure. But I'm looking forward to talking about them and I hope you tune in and check us out. Very nice. Ladies and gents, thank you very much for your patronage on this episode of Bazzy's Backdoor Cinema. Like the band says, we'll be back in action real fucking soon. So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. It's raining now.